sitting here with Brigitte Barrett, and I'm just going to read some of these accolades. I know you don't like all these things, but you did all these things. Amazing opportunities, amazing things. You four-time NCAA All-American indoor and outdoor track. 2011-2013 USA champion and six NCAA championships. The only woman on the planet to have done that. 2012 Olympic silver medalist, and then 2013 Pac-12 Women Athlete of the Year. So thank you for being here at Element City Church and hanging out and spending a little time with us. Thanks for inviting me. It's exciting to be here. <laughs> We've been having fun, so. We have been. And uh, I, I think we just had a few questions. We're in this series um, that is based around this idea of training camp and how we train to follow God, but. Uh, let me first start off because I was at home with my kids <laughs> and I measured my vertical jump. And I want you to know I spent a week like training for this. And I, I think maybe you need to do more than a week. You'll probably tell me I'm, I need more. But two weeks. Two weeks? Oh, that's where I fell short. <laughs> 14 inches was my vertical jump. I was really excited about that. <laughs> What's your vertical? You know, I know this sounds like really bad, but we don't measure our vertical. Like, well, actually, we do, we just do it differently. Like I always want to jump in when the football guys doing like their pro day thing and and hitting the, the colorful thing in particular and just like, oh, when I want to chest bump somebody, but um, <laughs> they don't let me participate. Um, so my vertical is like six, six, eight and a quarter. That's like, that's how we measure by high So jumps. six inches, eight, no, six, six feet. feet. Oh. All right, forget to beat me there. Um, but we're going to roll on with a few other questions here. Um, tell me how you got started in track and just in athletics. Uh, it just you Here you are, an Olympian, and, and it just all over. You're hired by Team Nike. You're traveling the world, competing, doing something that you love to do. How did that even start? Uh, well, the funny thing is, um, I mean, I didn't necessarily wake up and just want to be a track athlete. I mean, my mom gave me this book on Wilma Rudolph and I thought she was the most amazing person ever. And I was like, whoa, I definitely want to be like her. But um, I didn't know that professional track and field existed um, until I got to like high school slash college. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I, it actually happened because I was trying out for the basketball team and I made callbacks and all that good stuff. We were hooping it up and I didn't make the final cut and I was really sad because it was the first time in my life that I really ever failed anything, but I, like, failed. And <laughs> so I was walking home, and I was sad, and I was thinking about what the coach said. He was like, yeah, really good, just got to work on your shot, but you're, like, great on defense. And I was like, <sighs> so sad, walking home. And I look up, and all my friends on the football field running around. Um, and I'm like, what is everybody doing? What's going on? Like, why am I not with them, right? So I go over and I'm like, guys, what are you doing? And they're like, cause nobody's playing football, I don't get it. They're just running back and forth. And um, they're like, we're, we're trying for track. And I was like, okay. And so they're like, you should come try with us, try with us. And I was like, the closest thing that we ever had to trying out for track was chasing each other down the street for candy. <laughs> so I was like, I mean, I, if I could be you, I'm pretty sure I could do whatever it is that you guys are doing. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got started, but um, when I entered high school, um, I actually had a specific goal because um, I didn't have money. I knew my family didn't have money for um, college. And so I heard about this thing called an athletic scholarship. So I was like, why not? And track happened to be it. And that's right. So how did you start in the high jump? Because mm -hmm. you run the 
400, I mean, you run a lot. <laughs> they make me run. They make me run. No, um, high jump specifically started because I was running and I was tired of running. And I, I'm really tired and my body's hurting, lactic acid is whipping my behind. And I look up and there's other kids on the field that aren't feeling what I feel. Like they're smiling. I'm not, they are. And I was like, coach, what's really good? Like, why are they not doing what we're doing? They're like, well, you know, they're, they're jumpers. They don't need to do an endurance workout. I said, why, what? <laughs> why can't I jump? Like, why didn't you tell me about this before I signed up? And she's like, well, can you hatch up? And I said, watch me. And that's kind of how it started. But they never let me stop running. They made you keep running. Mm -hmm. oh. But sorry. it was fun. I mean, okay, jumping's fun. Running is not. Well, I know we've watched you, uh, my family, gather around the TV watching you in the Olympics uh, back in 2012 in London and just tell me just about that experience, just being there and what that experience for you was like. Mm, like being on the metal stand, like jumping. Yeah, everything. Uh, to be honest, um, that was one of the most emotional times in my life. Um, not just because oh, I was the Olympics and I'm very aware of the fact that very few people become to get to this level on track and field, and then even fewer people will get to the Olympic level, fewer people actually medal. Um, that stuff didn't really register to me until I got back to America. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just kind of going through this battle of like I, I, an identity crisis, like identity in Christ versus like identity through like talents and stuff. And I was just really at a low point in my life for really, for four weeks. <laughs> and so um, I'm battling that and then like having to have this um, like happy facade because nobody wants to see that especially the media like mm -hmm. they don't care they just want to a good interview and so i'm just like smile for the camera cry my heart out and mm -hmm. then i mean it was really and, and i wasn't very concerned with the fact that i for all intents and purposes had to compete um and then i'm just like you know what god like wrestling with god and trying to compete so um god just kind of like taking care and be like peace be still like literally chill calm, mm -hmm. chill child and so that's how I have to go out and compete. Like I'm very numb, like to any emotion, like I'm very peace, like peaceful, like so peaceful that it's like, <laughs> I feel like I'm bloating. Like every step is not registering in my head. I'm not in a normal thought process. And so even when I PR, like that explosion was very like uncontrolled. Like it just was everything in me that was just coming out. And so like even being on the podium and not knowing how I'm supposed to feel, but not really caring because I'm just like, peaceful so peaceful that I'm not even registering the fact that like hey I just got a medal like I'm just like like peaceful like I wish everybody had this peace like those commercials with the nougat like flowing <laughs> in the air that's, that's kind of how it was for a really long time but it was it was very just all of life in one very short time period so you've had opportunity you said you didn't really maybe know the significance of it or even for your life too, until you got back. And so now it's been a while. Um, what's, that, what's that journey been for you? I mean, obviously you're still competing at, at U of A and then graduating, so congratulations Thank on you. that. And um, just walk through maybe this last year. Woo, this last year. Um, I got back to America and I'm the type of person I don't like awkward moments. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like awkward silence. I'll do anything 
to get rid of some awkward silence. I'll say something stupid, I don't care, I have no shame. Um, like just not the awkward silence. And so um, I like to be prepared for human interaction. Like I like the fact that I, I, I am so shameless that like we could just share, talk, have this smooth ride and when I got back to America, like all of that was thrown out the window because people are putting me on this huge pedestal mm -hmm. that I'm not taught how to be on. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm trying to be treated like regular Rita, like just human, like there's no, like no, don't do that, don't do that. Like I get to class and this one girl sitting next to me just crying, like shaking, they're crying and I don't know what to do. Like, get your tissue, do I hug you? Like, I don't, <laughs> are you gonna get mad at me if I hug you? Like, I don't know what to do. And so it's kind of like, really really trying not to be put up on the shelf but then being forced to understand like this is my role right mm -hmm. now and um i i like as a christian i live for other people like that's my responsibility um on a very spiritual aspect and just accountability aspect and like hey come to christ he's what that is type aspect but also now like from an inspirational aspect like to be transparent with people and be okay with with uh the fact that i do inspire people like that's mm -hmm. That's very hard. And so this whole year has been battling what I have become with what I kept fighting, what I was fighting to go back to that. And I was like, no, I've, we've moved, okay? Move with us. And so, mm -hmm. and so accepting that move in Christ. And, um, and also, I was still dealing with the identity crisis. And still, like, that didn't stop, even though, like, God gave me peace. was like... Now, what do you do after the storm? Because, you know, after mm -hmm. storms, even in general, like you still have branches to pick up and you have dirt to move and you have a house to rebuild. And so um, after the storm, my house needed to be rebuilt. And I didn't have time to do that because I had to go back into school, like right away. Mm -hmm. As soon as I get back to America, school's already starting. Training has started. Like, and now you have community service. You have way more responsibilities. So, like, for all intents and purposes, I didn't have time to take care of me or time to rebuild my house mm -hmm. and so that was a lot it was very hard and this past year I my metaphor for it is like God's the center of the storm like God's the peaceful eye of the storm and like I'm like being whipped around the storm and I'm like trying to hold on to God as much as I can but I'm failing hard body and then God's like holding on to me way better than I could ever hold on to him until I got you. that's really cool you talk a lot about your faith and I know as we've talked um, that's that's core for you, and um, walk me through just obviously you have this notoriety and you have this uh, all these accolades that you have and you have that influence that you talked about that sometimes you don't even want, um, but you have it. And in the sense of that, how you say God's kind of holding on to you, you're holding on to Him. How how have you sensed this just this last year and this journey that um, God's been working in your life? Could you unpack maybe how you sense that? how guys are working in my life. Um, yeah, I would say um, just from my upbringing, uh, I didn't have a lot of good examples of how things were supposed to be. And so I spent a lot of time resenting a lot of the things that I went through just to get mm -hmm. where I am today instead of um, appreciating them. But I hadn't reached the maturity of Joseph. Joseph. I was not yet able to say, that was you meant for good, <laughs> you meant for evil was for my good. Like God needs that for my good. I wasn't able to say that yet. I wasn't able to look the people that like tried to kill me in the eye and mm -hmm. that, that persecuted me in the eye and say that, you know, glory to God, thank you for doing what you did. And so I wasn't even able to look myself in the mirror for all intents and purposes. And so um, 
I think dealing with that and then trying to step into the shoes that like God's like made for me, um, stepping into them really helped me the moment that I, I was at the track and this girl came and she was like, I came all the way to the track meet for you. And she had like this picture and stuff. And uh, she basically told me that like, I am the reason that she does what she does. Like I gave her a dream. And so mm -hmm. I think um, I was thinking back to a sermon that a preacher had um, spoke not too long ago. Um, and he was saying that basically our dreams shouldn't die with us and that our potential shouldn't die with us. And mm -hmm. so it makes a lot of sense because even as human beings, like when God says be fruitful and multiply, like when you have kids, when I have kids, um, my dreams will be in that child. Like it's like I'm living on in that child. It's like God's the ultimate cloner and he does it in a way that like man can never do, like man can never attempt. And so it's like my dreams should be passed on to someone to make it their dream so that it's what they do with it and it's like their potential now and so um the only way that i could forsake that or do anything other than glorify god with that is to keep it so about me mm. that i don't give it to anybody and then it dies with me and i become an egyptian that wants to take all my my gold Stuff and my you. silver to the next life with me mm -hmm. no Tell me, um, you know, the Bible talks about this idea of always be prepared to give an answer for the faith that we have. Have you seen that in just the circles that you're in, the opportunity to, to talk about your faith with other athletes or the people around you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny um, because uh, a friend, Victor Yates, <laughs> he said, um, <laughs> I love Victor. Um, what did he say? Um, it was funny because we were all at, like at this Bible study, and I'm actually before even the Bible study happened. When I got back to America, it was still like kind of summertime, and um, we had created this fellowship called Zion on Earth. And Victor always had these Bible Bible ciphers at his house, and so like <laughs> I guess when I was gone, they came together and just formed this awesome force. And so they were on Fourth Street, like preaching the gospel and stuff like that. And I remember the first time I joined them, and like. Uh, Victor kept doing this thing, which, like, inside was, like, frustrating me, but I didn't want to be like, yo, like, I didn't want to um, check him. And so uh, uh, he kept, like, whenever people would walk by or notice me or something like that, um, he'd be like, yeah, this is this Olympic silver medalist, um, you know, God's using him for his glory. And I was just like, stop telling people that I'm the Olympic silver medalist. Like, stop doing that. He was like, nah, man, you need to Christ up. Like, that's your, that's your lane right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of the fellowship, that moment right there was like him basically like loving me and pushing me up and being like, hey, um, as if like, hypothetically say I was a prince and like my, and like, it's time for me to, to be king. Like, he's like, be king. Um, and it the fellowship was so important towards that growth and just towards casting down all fears and and just looking to god and be like all right god and so um, being able to share that in the athletic realm so much fun after that <laughs> so much fun after that and just being able to talk with other uh christians or even people that aren't christians i remember this girl she's a uh, Emma Green, ugh, this jumper I looked up for two for the longest, the most beautiful high jumper from Sweden, like, love her to death. And I remember sitting there and I was like, I usually do this thing where I ask all the girls to pray with me, but on the professional circuit, it's kind of different. I don't know, they're going to hate me. The guy's like, are you ashamed? And I was like, no. And so I asked her, I said, hey, would you like to pray with me? And she was like, no, I don't really believe in God. I was like, it's okay, I can pray. And she was like, okay. And so we prayed and, um, it was just like the look in her eye, like after the prayer was done, it was just like, God, I don't know what you did in this prayer, but like, Some. 
Yeah, and so just seeing sports, faith, and fellowship all come together like that is, mm -hmm. it's still doing that because I still have like a lot of my season ahead of me and so right. not walking in fear. That's hard. great. We'll pray you have lots more conversations. <laughs> that we just see God moving in that. Um, you know, we, in this series training camp, it's this idea that we we live by grace. We don't try to train to earn grace. We get it. But Christ is calling us to become all that we're meant to become. And so we kind of align our lives and train that way. Um, could you talk me through, you know, in the past people have used spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits to say, here's the things that help me stay grounded. Here's the things that help me continue to move in my journey with Christ. And I'm just curious if you could list maybe one or two that you go, these are the things that kind of help keep me grounded, keep me moving forward in my, my walk with Christ? Yeah, um, a lot of times it's, it's very hard um, to have a particular thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, maybe it's just my personal <laughs> relationship with God has just been like this amazing adventure and just kind of like God really just throwing a lot of things at me that I never even thought to ask for. And so being in awe all the time, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, my greatest fear is that I become consumed by these things and that I start chasing after, like, you know, chasing after God is what got me these things. Like, these things came after chasing with God, chasing God, but, like, that I would just switch lanes and start chasing those things. And in my mind, I'm telling myself that I'm chasing God, but I'm not really chasing God. I'm really chasing, like, my will. And, it, and I can't see it. I'm so blinded by it until I get to the end. And then now I'm, like, sorrowful. And so um, that's like one of my greatest fears. I'm like, God, please don't let it be. Uh, please don't let me be that blind. Um, and so I think about it, and um, I used to do this thing where after every national championship, I would like celebrate until I got to the hotel room. And as soon as I got to the hotel room, I would like immediately go in the mirror and tell myself, like, you are nothing. Not to say that like I'm worthless, but like this thing that just happened does not define you and it doesn't add worth to you. Like these things are very physical things that have nothing to do with spiritual treasures that should be being stored up. And so like, no, your identity is not tied within this. And so um, that's one thing that I was doing for a while. And then um, getting in the word is very, for me, I'm not very, I know it sounds weird, I'm not a very disciplined person. Um, I like I structure for me is not in a structured way um, and so really getting up in the morning and making God like giving God my first fruits is something that I've been having to be very intentional about like God this is my first fruit like it's just kind of like when I was trying to instill the habit of flossing twice a day it was like it had to be very intentional and like, you know, sometimes I don't feel like getting up and sometimes I, man, God, I gotta get up an extra hour to talk with you. Like, I wanna sleep, you know? And so it's like, it's like, God, God, you are more than worth it. And like, and it, and it went from a very intentional struggle to a very intentional passion. And it was like, ooh, I can't wait to get home early. I'll still have about an hour to talk with God or maybe I can read or maybe I can like learn more about this. And so um, it's just really, it's a relational thing, so I don't really have specific habits, but it's learning learning how to love God. Uh, for a long time, I was asking God, like, how do I love other people like you love me? Or how do I see myself like you see me? Or, or how do I learn to love myself? And I'm like, I like, how do you want me to love you? Like, people are talking about like, these five languages of love, but um, what, do you, what do you want, you know? Like, what does that look like? How do I put a smile on your face in the morning? Um, 
And so really trying to like hear that and be patient enough to hear that and like oh, be be active when I hear that and um, I'm falling in love with God like and deeper and deeper. Um, that's those are I guess my habits. I think that's a great way of putting it because it's that relational side where it's not mechanical. It's not um, okay. I do these A B C things and and there isn't there's there's a realm for that and there's a place for that in training. But this is about a relationship at the end of the day. Uh, and it's about a relationship with you and God. And, and so I think that's a beautiful question to ask yourself, to even begin to turn to say, God, how would you want me uh, to love people? How do you want me to love you? I think that's awesome. Um, in, in your experience, in, in just in the athletic world, um, who else has inspired you? You talk about being a person that God's using to inspire others. Who's inspired you? Who's inspired you with, with athletics, but who's also inspired you with faith? Um, well, athletic-wise and I guess kind of faith-wise, um, this man doesn't even know it, but um, and I don't even know his name. Um, uh, during the Olympics, uh, I was asked to uh, give my testimony for lay witnesses for Christ, and um, so I remember it was like the night before I competed. I was like, man, I shouldn't be out late the night before I compete. I don't know what the time I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna be walking around on concrete. I was like, this is not good, right? And I was like, hold up, Ricky, there, pause. What is your job? Like, at the end of the day, what is your real job? Like, go test, go give your testimony. Like, this is this is your real job. Everything else is, this is so you can get here. Um, but God checked me, I didn't say it to myself. God said it to me. Um, <laughs> and so um, I was like, all right, I'll go. And like, I have to remind myself to have a, God, a glad heart. I'm like, okay, this sacrifice means nothing if you don't have the heart to match it. So really, like, God's really checking, like, on all, all sides. So I get in the car, I go there, and I sit. And I was like, um, okay, I got my iPad, got my testimony. I know what I'm going to do. Um, but my heart was still not lined up. Um, and so this man's talking, and I, he had just won a gold medal the night before. Um, and so he gets up there, and he doesn't even speak English. He has like an interpreter. He's, um, I'm gonna say he's uh, Korean. And so uh, he's talking, and um, he's like, you know, I come not to brag about this medal. This medal means nothing. Like completely was just like, like I like dirt on it. Um, and he was like, I come to be a witness for Christ. Like I boast in Christ alone. It was just like. The way he was laying it out for Jesus was so, just so sincere and so like in the way everybody was like, yes. And I was like, man, this man's not even speaking English. Like this is how they do it in Korea. Like what in the world? Like I was so, I don't know. I was just so pumped up by this man's testimony. I was like, ah, ah. And then he like left before I got to like meet him. It was just insane. And so God was like, this, this is, this is where you're at to me. And I was like, lined up, lined up. And so he was definitely a huge inspiration going into competition just to see somebody. And I don't know why it meant so much that it was somebody not from America. It was just somebody mm -hmm. from another country. I was like, this is how they do it in the world. Like, uh, this is what it looks like. It doesn't look any different, really. It's just like the same thing in a different language with a different vessel. Like, it was so amazing. And um, so that, like, changed my life. Um, and then... Um, the funny thing is, um, I have a lot of people who have whose shoulders on which I stand, um, but there has never been just this one particular person other than, it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like cliche, but like Jesus, like, oh my God, like, I don't know, even like when we were sitting in the service and like we we're talking about surrendering and stuff, like the image that came to my mind was, because um, uh, I think you said something about, or you said something about, um, 
the worship leader said something about being the problem with being living sacrifices that we can walk away. And I was like, oh snap! And I was like, man, I was like, surrendering doesn't mean letting go. It means hugging your cross tighter. And I was like, God, teach me how to be like a lamb. Like, teach me how to be like Isaac. I never said that before. Like, but like, teach me how to be like baby Isaac, like little kid Isaac that just like laid there and trusted his father. And I was like, man, like man um so i was like man teach me how to have my cross um but yeah all those things those are my giants <laughs> man that'll preach girl <laughs> <laughs> that's really good um you, you said you uh, favorite verses do you have a favorite verse that maybe you recite or you, you kind of say yourself often or something that was meaningful to you growing up or? um growing up it was um i'm a dreamer I believe in all the impossible dreams and I be trying to tell everybody like dream impossible like not that I don't respect people's dreams that like just oh my dream is for a better quality of life dream it dream it achieve it um but like people that really go out there and like dare to dream something that's never been done before like if if nobody had been on the moon and somebody walked up to me and was like I'm gonna go on the moon and I was like get it I'm going with you let's go like that's our dream like like glory to God let's go let's go I'm not gonna get that where we're going um but uh, growing up, it was, uh, you know, delight in me, and I will give you the desire of my heart. And it's funny because that verse is changing for me now because um, I visited another church, and the pastor said, uh, he said, it's funny because I always thought about it like this. And I always thought about it like that, you know, delight in the Lord, and I will get the desires of my heart, like mm-hmm. my dreams. Like if I want some water, like I'm going to drink it after I delight in the Lord. He's going to give me a cup of water. Um, but then he thought of, he, he broke it down to a relational aspect where he was saying, if I delight in the Lord, my desire will become to know Him more, and God will give me that. And I was like, man, that's that's the better cycle. Like, if if God becomes a desire in my heart, like, what in the world? Like, I was like, whoa! Like, I was just sitting there, so mind blown. <laughs> so mind blown. I was like, man, yeah. It's like, why can't I talk to God? Like, legit. Like, God talked to me. Like, where in the Bible does it say that that was like something for only a time? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? What? God talked to me, please. But like, you know, I gotta seek you more. But let let's go. Like, that's my desire now. And so um, that was uh, this that that scripture right there has definitely changed a lot for me. But um. I would say for definitely for about a year now, um, starting at Olympic trials, it's been Isaiah 40:31, and that 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 verse, you know, like for those who are in the Lord, shall renew their strength; they shall mount up on wings like eagles and soar; they shall run and not be weary; they shall walk and not faint. Like that for me during my identity crisis was like God saying, like I got you, like I got you. And so those those are the scriptures that I'm kind of riding on right now, but. The whole Bible is dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tweetable right there. The whole Bible is dope. That's a new bumper sticker for us. Um, you've talked about uh, a lot of different... How do you work on uh, your relationships and the friendships that you have around you and people that are around you? How do they help keep you uh, focused not only just in training, but focused, kind of grounded in life, connected to God? Um. With as busy as I've been, I I find myself being constantly apologizing to people in my life that I care about the most and be like, I'm sorry, I had to do this, or I had to do that, I had to do that. And um, for me, it came to like a breaking point where I had to decide, you will learn how to keep these people, number one. Like, you will learn how to love them before, like, anything. Because at the end of the day, 
what is worth more? Um, what was God's commitment to you? Love what you're doing and then love people or forget about them or try and make time for them. Um, love my sheep. <laughs> love them. And so uh, it's been definitely something I've very intentionally been working on to like show these people like, hey, you know what? I had a busy day, but I thank you for calling me. I will talk to you. I will talk to you. And I fall short all the time. I fall short so much. And it's hard because, you know, like, they don't see all this stuff over here. They don't see, like, the fact that I didn't get any sleep. Like, it's been a long day. <laughs> but they just want to tell me that they love me. Like, they, I can't fault them. They're calling me because they love me. And so um, my support system, my family, my friends, and family that's not blood but, like, has been so amazing in my life. Like, God's, God's amazing. And he's just been loving me person after person after person. And I'm trying to send that love back. Well, you're doing a great job with that. Just in the, I know a few of your other friends that are connected to you, and uh, they they really admire you and how you're doing that. And uh, I know it's been a challenge. Um, probably none of us can understand that uh, with all the demands on you. But um, how how can we be praying for you? You know, we at elements we care about people and we care about you and, and we want to, I know we got to pray with you while you were here, um, but just now you got to, um, when this is going to air, it's going to be a month or so from now and you'll be at the World Championships and, and how can we continue to pray for Brigida? Pray that I learn how to wait on God. <laughs> wait <laughs> on God and, and sur waiting, surrendering, and boldness. Like, like, I think of Joshua and how God was like, strength and courage, be courageous. Um, I need that courage and that strength. So, wait, surrender, boldness, and courage. I need those those things right now. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll pray for that. So. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about just growing up, your growing up experience. Because you, you talked about your faith being there. I'm just curious how you came to faith in Christ. And, and talk me through a little bit of that journey. The funny thing is, um, growing up, I used to get, I remember when I moved to Texas, I was like thinking about my testimony and I was, I was listening to so many other people's great testimonies and in my mind I said, oh man, I don't have a testimony. I was what, like, I, I don't have one. And then God was like, how dare you? <laughs> God was like, I am offended. <laughs> it's like a Israelites forgetting Egypt. And so... <laughs> I was like, okay, let me go back. And so all I could think of was, for the most part, as young as I can remember, I did have a relationship with God. I was talking with God, trying to just, just baby BB, just <laughs> knowing as much as she can, but really my relationship was very just talking to God and praying and stuff. But um, it definitely, I remember the first day that I did that and I was, um, it it was our family it's like it's like my my mother my I have a twin sister and I have an older sister and like there's a lot of unforgiveness in the atmosphere and so it's uh unforgiveness just translates hate to other people like it just chooses the person to to lash out because that those emotions have to go somewhere um and so um I just had been the person um that it goes that it was going to a lot and so um, I was very resentful and I was upset, especially when I started hanging out with other kids and uh, seeing 
that not everybody else's household is like this. I think this that's where it really messed mm-hmm. me up. It's like what? You guys have dinner at like together, like just regular like what what? Um, or just filled pantries and nice grass and, and two parents and I don't know, it was just it just mm-hmm. was it was very hard to see outside of my house. <laughs> so I just remember just kinda getting on my knees. I don't even know why I thought to do this. Just get on my knees and talk to God like, you know what? It's me and you against the world, God. Just like, I just want you. And that was kind of the beginning of it all. I don't know why I thought to pray that, but ever, I'm so glad I did. And, and ever since that moment, God's like, I got you. Once again, uh, it just keeps coming full circle and just um, out of, I got you out of poverty. I got you out of, you know, unforgiveness. And I got you out of the lack of love. And um, God's love did both things in my life at that moment. It um, showed me what real love is, but it sh- showed me how much of a lack of it I was getting. And it it hurt me more at that moment, at that time in my life, because uh, I couldn't understand it. I was too young to understand, like, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? You think that these things that you want for yourself are so, it should be so easy to other people, like, why can't you be patient with me? Why can't I be patient with you? And so um, these things, or why can't I forgive you, or why would I treat you the way somebody else treated you? Um, those things seemed simple to me as a child. And I didn't understand why they didn't happen. And because I didn't understand, it just created more hurt. And so I just remember even when I was 16, 15, and um, I felt like God was leading me out of New York um, and making the decision to leave. Um, just like, just like, hey God, I'm going. Like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going. And um, it was just a lot of peace in that time of my life. And I didn't understand the confusion and shock and just how everybody else was reacting to the fact that I was like, I'm moving. And it was like, what do you mean you're moving? Like, where are you going to go? What, you don't have any money. How are you going to leave? And I was like, I don't know. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, I don't know. These are questions that I never thought to ask myself. But those are things that I didn't learn to get to allow to interfere with what God was telling me. It's like, I feel like we learned these bad habits. But I didn't learn those things until after everybody else was throwing them at me. But at, by that time, I was already on my way to Texas and on my way to this life. And God was like, I will take you out of this land and like show you greater things. And he definitely did. And um, what I was talking about before about Joseph and saying like those, that which you meant for my evil, like God turned out to be my, for my good. Like mm-hmm. I needed my family to push me out of the tree so that I can be here today. Mm-hmm. And so like I love them and I understand that, you know, my mother battling depression when I was a little kid, like, she didn't not love me. She couldn't love me because she was dealing with depression. Like, But as a little kid, can't understand that um, right. with only one parent in the house. And so it's it's a lot of those things that I'm like, okay, thank you, God. Thank you. Because, you know, my mom's alive. She's here today, and she made it through that situation. And she, her testimony is that she needed that for her good somewhere along the way. And so mm-hmm. our testimonies are dependent on each other. And it's crazy how that is just it's like I I need you to get through what you're getting through because on the other side of that is something that God meant for us to do together but you still have to come to that part of the tunnel like I always tell people people say you can't have a testimony without a test but like a testimony is like a tunnel and so you're going through the tunnel towards the light but some at some point when you get to the middle of the tunnel you can't see light on either side mm-hmm. but you still have to keep moving forward 
and that's fake. So, I don't know. That's my story. That's <laughs> right. Um, you got, you, you set a lot of goals through your time at UVA, accomplished a lot of those goals. Um, what are some of the goals that you have in front of you now, professionally and spiritually, just things that you're working on in your journey, but also professionally? Um, my goals. Um, Goals. Uh, my goal for like my immediate goal right now is like athletically is to break the American record, break the world record, be world champion, be Olympic gold medalist. So those are like immediate like athletic goals. Um, but immediate spiritual goals. Um, I've never really had like a teacher. Like um, I didn't grow up with a father, um, so it's kind of like uh, I would love to have growing up with like a father that was like a pastor or somebody who just like loved the word so I could just like be somebody's like apprentice and just like like we're gonna study together um and my mom um even though we definitely were raised in the church um for a lot of my childhood uh I just didn't get that kind of like immediate like spiritual upbringing and so besides like the traditional pray give it to God like no teach me how to, to read the word or how like I don't know um and so Right now, like I feel like God's definitely answered my prayers and sent somebody in my life. And so, um, spiritual goals just kind of like you know, grow and be open and be transparent and um, definitely being transparent because I get to this point in my life where like God sends people to love me and like I shut down. I don't know. It's like if it's like I get numb and it's like mm. it's uh, it's it's frustrating as much because like my body is like a prison now and like the person inside is like no speak like don't do this don't do this and like everything else around me is shutting down and I can't do anything about it um, and God's saying like you can but I can you can through me like I'll help you with this and so spiritual goals is like to be transparent open but like open to God like open to God we say I say that I'm open to God and I realize that I'm not as open as I'm deceiving myself and so growth is often stunt because of deceit and so I'm like God help me not to deceive myself please mm -hmm. um, so a lot of spiritual growth as far as like getting into the word reading the word and really like hearing God and and being open to that that relationship that I feel like God has placed in my life right now great we care about you as elements and uh, I know you don't know us all that well but we're in your corner and we're praying for you and we're cheering for you all the way in everything in life. And uh, you always have a home here in Elements uh, with us. So good luck. <laughs> praying for this next adventure that you're on here for the next month and a half uh, heading to Worlds and, and uh, all the bright future heading you too. So you'll be in our prayers for sure. So thank, thank you for you. spending some time with us. Thank you so I'm much. Really honored to have you here. <laughs> so thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining um, us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.